Yes, hello. Welcome to the Fremantle Arts Centre podcast. You're just listening to WA band Odette Mercy and her Soul Atomics and their song Ain't Nothing. Make sure you check out the Bandcamp if you can. We're trying to point you to as many WA artists as we can. Well, not even WA artists, all artists as we can during this time while people can't get out and ply their wares in the open. Why not support acts by buying a bit of merch, checking out their music and generally getting to know them? I should introduce myself. My name's Davey Craddock. I program the Music at the Arts Centre and this week we have Australian songwriting royalty on the show. Tim Rogers, frontman of UMI, sometime author, sometime radio host, solo artist, raconteur, funny man, lovely man, one of the great people really to talk to, basically. And it's a real pleasure to have him on the podcast. We were due to have Tim's show Liquid Nights in Bohemia Heights, which is really a embellishment, a theatrical embellishment of his WJ show at the Arts Centre back in March. That's now, as of today, been rescheduled to February 20, 2021. We're really pleased to be able to represent that show. But this is an opportunity for us to check back in with Tim, as we're doing with lots of the rescheduled shows at the Art Centre. I spoke to Tim, it must have been two weeks ago now, about what he's been doing in lockdown, the importance of dressing up for the day, however that may be. In Tim's case, it's in a very dandy-like fashion. And basically what he's been doing as an artist, reflecting on his own career, writing new songs, taking part in live streams, and generally reflecting on an amazing career. The Liquid Nights live show is set in the kind of ether in a faraway land and a faraway time and has all of the trappings of a great classic radio show. Uh, There's a weather reading, a poetry reading, most importantly guests, live music, a quiz and a call of the Western Highlands cricket final. It's all very strange and wonderful. But uh, one of the props of the show is a gramophone, which Tim sits next to. And uh, in keeping with the aesthetic of that show, we did have some kind of slightly AM radio-like technical difficulties with this interview. As you can hear, Tim's sounding a little bit fuzzy and far away, but I think that's appropriate. We're all feeling a little bit fuzzy and far away at the moment, and we're all just grinding through it, trying to communicate as best as possible. So I really hope you enjoy this chat with Tim Rogers and we hope to see you at the show in person in February. Here he is. I was just thinking back seven weeks ago, I was sitting at my desk at work and I was ringing around looking for a gramophone and a beautiful hosting desk for you. And now, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and now um, I'm at home in my slippers and we're doing this, but we're going to have you back. We've we've rescheduled for February, which is exciting. February, yeah, I saw that. Great. Yeah. yeah it's, look, the um, even just the rescheduling of things, uh, I know, is keeps folks buoyant. Um, I think we're going to record the show when we can get together and do it. In, um, do a recording of it, uh, which I don't know what we'll do with, but um, it's. It was really hitting its straps when we hit Adelaide Fringe Festival. Yeah. Um, I've been ignorant of how uh, shows, theatre shows needed to work themselves out. I thought that that was a bit uh, a trope that had been ingrained in theatre people when really you'd just work it out in a rehearsal room and get it done. But it really does take time on, on the floor in front of an audience. Um, we just 
the word quicker and uh, it's a very it's a slow show it's very um scripted and um we sort of luxuriate on the words and thankfully the performers that we've got really are very good at that and um that was a, a bit of a template that was it's not crisp is more the what i'm looking for but it was very important that the people i got understood what my initial idea was um that it was a the the um the conceit of it was that it was a radio show that no one could see and so an audience has to we have to be good enough to to, to convey that to an audience and, and invite them in you know and as if they're um on, on in, a, in a radio um, station in a small country town i love the um, sound of it look at it it's pretty heavily initially it was pretty heavily devised and de derivative of uh, prairie home companion sure the old uh, garrison keeler show but the more i listened to garrison's show uh well it's very rural america and um so needed to drop it in a, an unspecified place but, but pretty quickly give people and get them give them the feeling of the town and that came from when uh my partner rosemary and i do refer to st kilda as um cirrhosis on sea but also <laughs> you know uh, sort of a, a little bohemian enclave i guess that's because uh, we're both not in the family way. My daughter lives overseas, and and really, uh, kind of from a viewpoint, could be seen as being without a care in the world. And, and um, so, do you give it? Do you give it a actual sense of place, or is it just suggested? Because I know you've got cr no. cricket commentary in there. So it's in this kind of psychedelic ether. Is it just there isn't an actual town it's in? Well, not that I'm going to tell you, okay. David. Uh, <laughs> No, we, we also, I guess, I can't help just being living in Victoria, thinking that it's somewhere in Victoria, but we really wanted to get away from that. Okay. Um, I don't think there's anything, we all live here in, in Melbourne, but let's get away from that. Just, and that's a way of letting the audience in as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, Prairie Home Companion did that very well. And also... When I drive around by myself, I like to listen in to local radio uh, when driving around the country and trying to get a, a quick sense of place. And I guess uh, you, you really need to spend a bit of time somewhere, but I never spent a lot of time anywhere and, until now. And so I'm wanting to get that. And so, and again, just tr trying not to lean on the quaint element of it, though. We could go down that path and, and um, I think each of us has got a tendency to revel in, in quaintness but that also can pretty heavily, pretty quickly go into smugness and um, we didn't want to be um, for lack of a better term quarantined from the world but kind of adrift of it and also adrift of time somewhat yeah great I like. I really can't wait to see it. I'm really looking forward to see it. We will, and we will see it. But in in the meantime, I've noticed you, um, like a bunch of artists, have moved into online shows. And I sat on my couch and watched your show from home. I think it was last Thursday night. 
How are you finding them performing from your lounge room? Is it is it odd? It seems so intimate and private. Oh, it's, it's, it's extremely odd, yeah. But um, for, for me, I was trying to get out of uh, performance, performing music last year. It was making me miserable, and particularly with the band. And so I pretty much made a decision that I was dragging everyone down with me as well. I was just... Um, wasn't happy, and um, so I got a job at a pub and, and you know, started bartending again, and was really loving that. Uh, and then a musician going into hospitality, <laughs> fucking timing, Rogers, Jesus. Um, so I lost those two jobs pretty quick, and then because uh, a lot of talk about gratefulness and um, realizing how fortunate we are before all this and uh, I'm one to get on bended knee and put my cap out and say, look, I, I figured out why I was miserable and it had nothing to do with performing music. It was about expectation and about inebriation. Um, often those two things don't conflate very well. And yeah. So doing the little shows, firstly, I was incredibly grateful to, to get it because I, um, I like most people kind of staring a uh, very difficult time financially in, in the face I mean um, yeah. I, I didn't have rent and, um, and I can live on fish fingers and whiskey and, but uh, I, I like my landlords and I wanted to look after them I wanted to be able to look after my daughter in New York if she was in trouble and uh, and just two little shows like that came up, and it's just been incredibly helpful. And what I didn't expect was how emotional I felt doing them, because I hadn't really spoken to anyone in months. I call my dad occasionally, I speak to my daughter occasionally, and Hurricane occasionally, but no. And so I opened my mouth and singing, and I thought, oh, what are all these pheromones doing? Um, what a wonderful feeling this is and feeling very emotional. Yeah. With all those uh, comments so, streaming on the right-hand side, you actually felt like you're in a crowd. It was a weird communal experience. I, I didn't you... realise that that was happening until I spoke to uh, Rosie afterwards and she said, oh, could you read those comments? Uh, no, I didn't even realise what was going on. I mean, God forbid if there's a way of um, reading them. For, for someone who comes across as being a little bit not caring and a little bit nonchalant, particularly bad at taking criticism. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a good thing uh, I didn't have a, a big screen. <laughs> I, I noticed yeah, it was, it was, you definitely were very, very beautiful. Very, very, very strange. But I was so grateful to be able to. And for that couple of days beforehand, when we were, when it all first started happening, I, I, was, um, I had a really hard time in the first couple of weeks. And then preparing for a show like that, I don't do a terrific amount of preparation, but it, it, I felt um, excited, nervous, and all those great um, little emotions that that you experience before going on to stage. That that was all happening, okay. and uh, even though it had only been uh, three months or something since the last performance, I'm uh, I'm quite hungry for it again. So we've we've got a new UMI record on the on the go at the moment. You know, so uh, again, just one person who is, um, I'm ashamed of my lack of gratitude for the luck that I've been afforded. 
You uh, definitely weren't in your trackies for that show. You were looking splendid. Is that a big part of it, you know, dressing up as if you're going on stage? Well, I'm, I actually make sure I do each day because, um, excuse me, uh, it's the first cocktail of the day I stuck in my throat. Well, I guess um, we need ritual. You need to get dressed. You, you need some kind of signpost throughout your day, don't you? That, that's true, and uh, I, I do that in my life anyway. I think that as a, well, mildly sad person, and, and again with the um, anxiety stuff, but if I, uh, I dress to amuse myself and hopefully <laughs> amuse others, yeah. uh, and uh, dressing up for the last part of that. And so, no, it, 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 come around at the moment, I'm... I'm uh, a three-piece crinoline suit um, because it's cocktail hour yeah. and uh, the, the sky is beginning to bruise. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you should. Everyone should be wearing it at five pm. I've been saying it for years, David. <laughs> there's a lot to learn. That's a lot to learn. I feel I feel I feel very underdressed. Sorry. <laughs> uh, look, it, look, it, people's um, interior dialogues are, are going. Probably no, no matter what they're wearing, I, I don't have much of an interior dialogue. But I'm reading a lot of prison. I'm, I'm reading a lot of prison literature because I, I'm, uh. I'm taking this thing kind of seriously, and, and I, I don't go out at all. And because I think in empathy for the family in New York, and uh, my sister's husband in London actually um, died of the virus, and uh, so Sorry, yeah, I'm taking it pretty seriously. I, I think that that. Um, and protests against uh, this um, isolation period infuriate me because um, you know I've had um, friends who've had it and you know, I lost my brother-in-law to it. So, um, but the um, yeah, reading a lot of prison literature, a lot of uh, Jean Genet in particular, and uh, Alexandre Dumas. Um, which, uh, when speaking with uh, Rosemary about it, she's horrified that I'm reading prison literature because I mean we. We don't live together, but we both live in very small apartments. And said, sweetheart, you, you're going to send yourself around the twist. But it makes a lot of sense. Got, well, I'm, I'm working on my interior monologues. <laughs> so, so what are you learning from other people's experiences of being stuck in a tiny space? It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm not learning anything. I think because I was thinking about it today. When I'm on tour, apart from the actual travelling, these days. Uh, I try and lock myself in my room and, and get on with writing or, or reading. One, so it keeps me out of the pub, but I just don't kind of crave being amongst people. And, and so this has been, I'm very fortunate in that regard. I do have companions writing to me and, and they're, they're going quite spare. And now as Melbourne's just um, become cold again, mm. um, you can sense a bit of dread and, um, but reading, particularly Janae and, and his, his plays as well as a wonderful biography by Edmund White, it's just these, these, what others do in incarceration. I think rather than learn anything, it's just to go into someone else's thought process for a while. Yeah. You know, living alone. If I, if I didn't do that, if I was um, sitting around drinking beer, well, that was yesterday, drinking beer and, and watching old footy games. But you know, to, to, to read literature in particular... Um, it's just taking a little break from yourself. 
Did I hear and, um, in the middle of your show you you were rattling off some books that you were listening to, or that you were reading? Sorry, did I hear mm-hmm. that you mentioned you were writing some fiction yourself? Yeah, I got contacted by a journalist who's doing stories on the Melbourne Botanic Gardens, and he asked me because we met in the St Kilda Botanic Gardens. It was when um, lockdown had started, but we had this conversation over some. Um, flowers and uh, he said Tim it was incredible I was watching you kind of fondling flowers and, and looking at them so I didn't realise you were <laughs> not quite a botanist but um, that, that that would take my interest and I said well it, it really does I have no knowledge but just the experience of being with nature was compelling and, and um, really invigorating and so he asked me to write something I think he's got um, Nick Cave and uh, a bunch of uh, other folks writing about botanic gardens, and so mm-hmm. I needed a bit of a G up because I'd been working on some fiction for about five years, and, and I thought, well, I can't, I'm going to do something fictional. Um, yeah. Sort of, you know, doing memoir writing uh, is there's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> oh, what, so there'll be a follow-up to detours, you think? Oh no, no, no! I, I want to get a, get away from that. I, I, quite happy with just thinking and, and writing things for myself. I, I don't think anyone needs uh, more memoir from me. I, I think that's pretty much done. I, I do really enjoy it. Um, and I think reading my friend uh, Bridget Delaney, who's a, a writer for The Guardian, her diaries during this time are, are hilariously funny. And um, I don't know, we're reading someone like her I think, well, I'm, I'm just a, maybe a little self-involved. So I think fiction's the way to go. Sure. Oh, to, to, to try and and be endlessly rejected. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to have had uh, experience in that with the editors that um, that were musical, but man, literary editors are bit harsh. Oh, really? A lot, a lot of pushback. Oh. oh God, yeah. Right. My my agent. Literary agent wants to have phone chats, and I, I have to tell her I'm still bruised from <laughs> butting heads with her four years ago, five years ago. Maybe um, is it the time I'll, commitment? I'll get over that. I mean, because with with a with a pop song, you know, people might spend half an hour to a week on it, but with a book, it's just so much time. Is it is it is it that when someone says, "Sorry, mate, I didn't quite like that chapter," you're like, "God, but I spent a month on that." Oh, largely, yeah. And again, I think um, not being, not having a thick enough skin. And, uh, but with, I've almost trained myself when handing in fiction, you just have to expect a lot of pushback. Wow. Uh, it was a really, really interesting experience. And now with writing songs, I'm trying to finally, after 30 years, edit myself and, and uh, do first drafts and second drafts, third drafts, you know, however many drafts that it takes. Uh, because I, I noticed, I used to scoff at the suggestion that I wrote too many words, and, but I do. And uh, I'm critical of some of my favourite writers when they um, just chuck too much in there, you know, just uh, write drunk and edit sober and um, chip away at things. And, mm, that's uh, a good saying. It's, uh, it's, uh, Papa Hemingway. <laughs> mm. I, I really do like to throw around the names, don't I? 
<laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Hey, another thing I've noticed you've been doing uh, from your Instagram is you seem to, like a lot of people are doing at the moment, is a bit of personal archiving, going up into the roof or under the bed or pulling out the shoebox and just finding old shit. But in your case, hmm. it's not old shit. It's, um, I saw you posted the lyrics to Heavy Heart recently. You, you're finding old lyrics. What, what's, what's the story there? You, you've, you've, you're just discovering these things in the house while cleaning up? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a tiny apartment, and when my ex-wife and my daughter moved to New York uh, ten years ago, nine years ago, they um, they just gave me a lot of boxes and uh, of stuff that was because we lived in a house together, and then uh, when um, that didn't work, I moved to this apartment, and um, I didn't look at the boxes for years because I it was a painful time, and and I didn't look at them. But then, yeah, I was thinking there's a even though I'm a germaphobe and a complete hand washer and always have been, and, yeah. and a hypochondriac, uh, which makes me wonder why I snorted so many drugs on my time if I was that you know, worried about um, foreign, foreign yeah. uh, elements coming into my body. But, um, <laughs> it's not a good yeah, combination well, of things right now. Terrible combination. And uh, so while looking in a cupboard with these boxes, and I was um, sorting through some of my daughter's stuff and it, and I found these boxes of old tour diaries and, and there's a whole heap of demos and um, tour books of the States and Europe and we used to do those. But just looking at how many shows we used to do in a row was staggering. Uh, I, I know we, we all agreed we couldn't possibly do it now, but you know, 60 shows in a row with maybe two days off or um, 40 with four days off. and. And then finding those lyric books was really great. Um, I was asked to look for things when we re-released the records that people like, and I, could, I just didn't have them on me. And so finding these boxes now has been really great. And the, the, the most pleasing thing, I wasn't um, a big diary taker, but um, every little comment I made, it's like rereading old books and finding comments in the back and in the sidelines I'm sort of at, at peace a bit more with myself but in my 20s I, I used to for, for decades I've looked back at that time as I was just a ungrateful mess of antipsychotics and um, and unnecessary lugubriousness but everything I wrote down was kind of whimsical and um, quite affectionate sure. maybe Maybe it wasn't all that bad. Yeah? I think fans love seeing that stuff. Yeah, I noticed in the corner of the Heavy Heart one, you had written Northern Soul, Sandy Shaw, Edwin Collins. Was that meant to be a jauntier, quicker song? Really? Yeah, it's in um, the top right corner. Oh, I must go and look at that. Actually, I must see. I start throwing things. Around. I try try not to throw too many things around, but. but um, you know, a couple of cocktails in and <laughs> you, you lose detail. Yeah. Um, well, I wrote it originally for Charlie Rich, uh, the country um, singer and great jazz pianist, actually, because I was living in Los Angeles and uh, the, one of the A&R guys at Warner Brothers, who we were signed to for a little while, was a friend of Charlie's. And, right. Uh, so I wrote it for him and, and um, I, I wanted to keep it kind of straightened up and I possibly didn't have the waterlogged ball line in there because I thought oh, I don't know, 
Charlie would like that. Anyway, I handed it in, and um, the, the owner guy said, "Well, Tim, that's great, but Charlie Rich died seven months ago. <laughs> how, how could you not? How could you not know that?" Oh, well, kind of been busy. Been doing sixty shows in thirty days, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Information was a little, a little more scarce. Mm. as well. Um, hey, on look, it's possible. Um, um, iterations of nostalgia songs often. Uh, that, that may not have been so heavy. Maybe it was. But, uh, I don't recall having a, a great idea from it until making it that mournful kind of ballad. Um, sure. Yeah, see, it's, it's, it's not the weirdest thing I've found in those lyric books. Oof. Some weird stuff. <laughs> I was confused, man. <laughs> Do you, are they done? Are they sealed off? Or are you the kind of artist that might try and turn one of those old sketches into a song now or are they mothballed? Uh, they're pretty much mothballed. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything that's, that's been good. I, I, I like starting songs and working on new things too much. Yeah. Uh, I, I, know, I had about 30 uh, country songs, kind of finger-picking country songs. And I, then at the moment, because... Uh, I get a new your my record going. I'm actually adapting all these lyrics, which are quite thoughtful and a little more narrative based and mm-hmm. and really good. And, and often with your my lyrics, I I just don't work on them as hard as maybe I should because the dynamism of the band that's the, the most important thing. Um, but anyway, I'm learning new things with writing for the band because uh, it, yeah, again again with a little bit of editing. Um, Maybe that'll work. Mm. Um, you came up recently, and I thought when John Prine died, a few people had mentioned mm. on Twitter and things that Australian people, probably of my generation, that their first exposure to the guy was through your lyric in Damage. And who, you know, who's this guy that Tim Rogers mm. is singing about? Um, how did that make you feel? It's, it's not a nice time to be processing anything, let alone John Prine dying. No, uh, I, when John was last in Australia, I was touring with Alejandro Escovedo and Alejandro and John are friends. And so Alejandro took me to the Melbourne show. I thought, look, I listened to John's music so much. I actually didn't want to be in a room with other people who loved him as much. Um, I thought, uh, I, I just adore those records. I, some reason, didn't want to be in a room with 1,800 other people who adored him. Uh, but Alejandro said, you know, Tim, you've got to be kidding. We've been singing his songs on the whole tour, and so come with me. And I did, and I'm so glad I did. It was a wonderful gig. And then Alejandro said, come on back and meet, uh, come meet John. And I said, oh, I absolutely cannot do that. And he, he yeah. was just mystified. Said, come on, you, you love this guy. And I said, my um, relationship with him is as a fan, and he doesn't want to meet a buddy drunk Australian, you know, wannabe singer songwriter. Uh, I don't regret it um, because Alejandro's stories was, was so great and I, I love Alejandro. And, and yeah, look, when it happened, it was the same within two days that my sister's husband died as well. And it's such a lonely uh, death and, and an awful one. Um, I, I just feel awful for his, his family and his, and his very close friends. And, um, incredible that he made such a strong 
strong tree of forgiveness is such a beautiful record and, and to put that out at this stage in his life you know he was a very vital force and but struggling physically and to see him play it's like oh, this guy's he's hurting you know he's physically in in torture it looked really uncomfortable for him mm. but uh fuck he was good <laughs> <laughs> he was very good fuck, he, was, he was so good yeah and such a beautiful man when this is all over, Tim, I mean, people are loving, it's kind of become a bit of a parlor game. You know, which restaurant are you looking forward to going to? Which sports team are you looking forward to seeing again? Is there something you are just fanging to do when the new normal is back? You know, when you can step outside and do the things you love. Is there a particular artist you want to go see at the pub? Or? Uh, well, I wouldn't mind my job back. <laughs> <laughs> which which, no, which I, one? I, with you and I at the pub? Or both? Uh, well, the pub one first. I, I, I mean, I'll just probably clean it. But to tell you the truth, that the week before this all happened, um, total lockdown, I was I was working a shift, and I work in the basement at the Esplanade, and, and it was chock full of people, Grand Prix visitors, and so there were a lot of people just in for the week, and... Um, leaving the day after it and working in there and people shouting in your face because there was a, you know, a blues band playing. I thought, this is a, this is a flipping Petri dish. And I thought, I, I was letting the, the, the job because I had to clean up as well. And and um, you can't be a germaphobe and clean a pub, you know. And I, was, I was getting to it and then, this, so this is insane. I don't know why we're still open. And so I, I said, I'm, I, 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 I have to go with my intuition and so I'm not going to come to work. Um, so were you, de- were you DJing? What what was the role down in the Esplanade? Or what? No, just bartending. Yeah, cool. Just, just bartending and cleaning, and um, and that end of the night, everyone's gone. I used to host one night, but the other four shifts I'd do would just be at work and bar and, and yeah. being uh, the guy. And I, I enjoyed those nights very much. Um, and cleaning up at night. After everyone had gone, it was my favourite time. I'd just crack a drink, put a record on, clean up the pub, and uh, I'd flip and loved it. But with that in mind, what I'm really looking forward to, uh, the Hurricane works in a restaurant up the road called Ticholina, and uh, their back bar is, I call the office. That's where I go um, when she starts her shift at five. Yeah. Uh, I go there and have some drinks and write songs. Um, I do it there more than anywhere else. And it's, it's probably 300 steps from my apartment. Um, seeing Patrick, my favourite bartender there, and, and getting Rosemary back to work. She's she's had a tough time not being at work. She's worked full time since she was seventeen, and um, and sitting there for an evening. Um, the joke goes around that I've, I've been in there probably a thousand times, and I've actually eaten dinner four times. But uh, <laughs> it, it's it's just a little beyond my, my price range. Look, sitting somewhere not in my living room and, and drinking and just watching the, the, the world go by and seeing other people go and dine out, mm-hmm. passing the, the restaurants around here. And, um, yeah. Just what what I, I do enjoy a lot is with touring around the world, you're alone a lot and you, to entertain myself, I used to stroll through cities and, and just look at people at bars and restaurants walking along the street just enjoying themselves. I think I could 
I'm looking forward to seeing the joy of others because uh, I'm actually perfectly happy at the moment. Yeah. That's a lovely note to end on, Tim. Let's leave it there. Thanks so much for speaking to me. That was great. David, I look forward to listening to your records tonight and toasting you as uh, as I proceed <laughs> into another night's, <laughs> to another night's um, inevitable drinking session. It's lovely to speak to you again, mate. That's very nice of you, Tim. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye, David. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. A little audio postcard from Tim Rogers. While we can't present him to you in the flesh at Fremantle Arts Centre, those tickets are now on sale at fact.org.au. As always, if you enjoy this, make sure you tell your mates. Uh, it's on all the major podcast platforms. But that's it for this week. We'll uh, speak to you next week. Bye.